pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, O God, for everything you are doing in our lives. We believe that, Lord, you are working in our midst. Even when we don't see it, we know, O God, according to your word and by faith, we know that you are working in our midst today. As we are here to listen to your word, we pray that our lives will never be the same again. We ask, O God, that we will be transformed, O God. We will be renewed. Let our hearts be changed, O God, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you have your way today in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. And today, I know that um, coincidentally I'm preaching on whether I'm sure it is the will of the Lord. I'm preaching on the word um, God uses the little things. God uses the little things. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says that, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And So, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that, are, that no flesh should glory in the presence of God. Amen. I want to read again from Mark chapter 4, verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 30 to 32. The Bible says that, and he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we picture it? It is like a master seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots up large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ told this parable concerning the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is as small as a mustard seed. It's a parable. He was using to set an example that even though the kingdom of God is going to begin very small, even though it was going to begin at one single location, it was going to spread, become very big, and have a lot of branches all over the world. And so this, we see the fulfillment of this parable. So anything that is done in the kingdom of God is going to start this way. Like the mustard seed. So this church, for instance, is just a little seed that has been put on the ground. Right now, it is hidden in this city of New Newington. But we trust the word of the Lord concerning this, the word of the Lord in this parable. That that is, how the, that is the character of the kingdom of God. That even though it's going to be small, sometimes it looks like it is buried. Because when something is buried, it looks like it is never going to come out again. Nobody's ever going to see it again. But the Bible says it's going to shoot up. It's going to become so big. And then every, the birds of the air, people will come and join when they see. A lot of people, when things become big, it is easy for people to join. 
the small part when it is very small is when people don't want to be associated associated with it but we trust god according to his word he's going to bring people now the by the first passage that i read in corinthians the bible says that you see your calling that not mighty people no many mighty people and paul wrote this letter to the people of corinthians to remind them that you see your calling the people of corinthians who are usually the greek who are who are mainly the greeks the greeks were philosophers they exalted wisdom when they see people talking a lot of philosophy and a lot of um, things that make sense they wanted to associate with that thing they wanted to be part of it they wanted the leader to be somebody who can say a lot of philosophical things or worldly things that make sense to people that is the kind of leader they wanted to associate with they didn't want a leader who would present himself as a humble and a meek person they didn't want a leader who was just going to give himself away and die on the cross they wanted somebody who appeared like a strong conqueror who was going to defeat their enemies for them and that is the same for the jewish people they were expecting a messiah who would come as a conqueror like moses when he delivered them out of egypt and so when jesus christ said i am your leader but in this leadership in my leadership I am going to lay down my life and I'm going to die for you. So the Greeks were expecting their leader to be a strong man who is going to be philosophical and was going to talk, was going to stay with them and rule them with power and with wisdom. That was what they were expecting, with worldly wisdom. But so when you preach the gospel to the Greeks, it didn't make sense. It was foolishness to them. And the Jews were also expecting a sign. They were expecting a sign that this Messiah was going to show them signs. At a point, they came to Jesus Christ and they said that if you are the Messiah, what sign do you show us? Aside everything Jesus Christ did in, in Israel, they still asked for a sign. They wanted to see a sign. And he said, no sign will be given to you. The only sign that will be given to you is like the sign that, is, is like the, it's like the sign that was given to Noah. That the son of man was going to die three days and resurrect that is the sign that was going to give them even though he said no sign will be given to them he still showed them the, the part that this is the sign that you guys are going to see and so the jews wanted a sign the greeks wanted wisdom but the, what we what god gave them was the cross which was foolishness to them and so the bible says do you see your calling that not many wise people there are a lot of people who in this world see themselves as very wise there are a lot of people who are very educated they have degrees they have doctorates they have their phd and they see that they are very wise in worldly sense and so when you tell them the gospel and you say that jesus christ died for you he died on the cross so that you will be saved. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of this world. They don't see the wisdom. Compared, comparing that wisdom to the worldly wisdom. They, they don't see the wisdom in serving God. And so the Bible says not many people who are wise. In the worldly sense. Not many people who are wise. And that... The Greek also had to do a lot, um, really um, concern themselves with class. They wanted people of high class. And at that time, there were people of high class and people of lower class. And the Bible says that not many people who see themselves of having a high class really are called. But the Bible says that God called, God used the foolish things of this world, the things that are despised. The things that men don't like, the things that appear to be weak, God used those things 
so that he will shame the mighty. So the kingdom of God is, is, is God takes delight in little things, things that are rejected, things that are despised. If you, if at a point you feel that you are weak, at a point you feel that you don't have a lot of strength, you don't have a lot of talent, you don't have a lot of giftings, you don't have so much to boast about, that is the right place that God wants to use you. That is the place that you can depend on God. Why does God want to use the things that are despised? Why does God want to use the things that are little, the things that men do not respect? The Bible says, so that no flesh will glory in the presence of God. In Isaiah, the Bible tells us that God does not share his glory with any man. He does not share his glory with any man. And so he does these things so that no man will take the glory. Bible says that so that no flesh, you can, if, if you saw yourself as somebody who was already strong, somebody who was already powerful and somebody who was strong enough to save themselves or somebody who was qualified to save themselves, then you will not appreciate God when he saves you. You will not appreciate the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. But when you see yourself that you cannot save yourself, that even dealing with sin, you cannot overcome it unless God sends you help. Then you are able to appreciate the help that God gives you. Then you are able to appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, knowing that you don't qualify for that sacrifice. Even there are a lot of people, sometimes when we go out to witness and we tell them about Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross for you. They see that some people will say, no, I want to be able to save myself. I want to be able to deliver myself so that I know that, yes, I did this myself. But even if you want to die for yourself, your sacrifice is not acceptable before God because you have the same nature, because you have the nature of Adam. There is no way that even if you want to die for your own sins, it's going to be acceptable to God. And so God provided his own sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice in Jesus Christ so that our sins can be forgiven. And so when people want to die for themselves, it is because they don't understand. It's again, like we said last week, people don't understand the scriptures. And so God uses the little things so that he will take the glory for himself, so that no one will share the glory with God. That is why he uses the little things. And when you look at the story of Abraham, when God called Abraham, God called Abraham from idolatry in a place where there was a lot of idol worship. And he told him to leave his family, to leave his land and go to a place that he was going to show him. And the Bible says that God, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. The Bible says now to him who works, the wages are not accounted as grace, but as debt. And so Abraham did not work to earn, to earn his own righteousness. Bible says it because he just believed God, God credited it to his account for righteousness. All Abraham did was to believe God. When you read verse 4 of Romans chapter 4, the Bible says, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if somebody does a work for you, you, you invite somebody to come and do something for you. When the person finishes doing the work, when you give money to that person, you are not giving it to him as grace. It is not for free. He earned it. He worked for it. So at, that point, at the point where the person finished doing the work, then you owe the person. So that is a debt. 
That has to be settled. But God, the Bible is saying that Abraham did not work for his righteousness. It was given to him for free. And so it is not a debt that God owes him. But it is a free gift of grace. And so God uses the little things so that no flesh will glory in his presence. So that all the glory will go to God. Now, another reason why God uses the little things is so when we give God the little things, they are transformed in his hand. When you present the little things to God, God transforms it. Sometimes when God calls you and gives you a mandate to do something, in your own self, you feel so inadequate, you feel so unqualified to do what God is calling you to do. And that is the reason why you have to rely on him. You learn to depend on God. And when you give God your weakness, you give God your little talent, your talent that men don't regard, men don't respect. When you give this talent to God, he's able to transform the talent and make it mighty. When the young, when, when the little boy brought his food, his lunch, and gave it to Jesus Christ, it was just a little five loaves of bread. But when Jesus, the, those five loaves were given to Jesus, he was able to transform those five loaves. When he, break, he gave thanks and he broke them, those five loaves were able to feed 5,000 people. If the five loaves were remained in the hand of the little boy, there was no way he would have been able to feed 5,000 people. But because he handed it over to God, he handed it over to Jesus Christ, those little things, those, th- those things that are despised, those things that look like they are nothing, he was able to transform them to do a mighty miracle. And so whenever you look at yourself and you feel you are inadequate in any area of your life, all you have to do is to hand it over to Jesus Christ. Because when you hand it over to Jesus Christ, he's able to transform that particular thing. He's able to transform your life and use you for his glory. And so the little things are used by God because he has the power to transform the little things. And use it for his glory. Now the Bible talks about how Samson did great exploits for Israel. The Bible tells us that the reason why Samson was born was so that God was going to use him to show forth his glory to the people of Israel by defeating the Philistines through Samson. The Bible does not make mention of Samson's stature or how... um, the muscles that Samson has, you know, like the Bible took time to explain to us the height of Goliath, he saw his shield, because Goliath was a very tall, he was a giant, he was a tall man. But Samson, the Bible did not tell us anything about his description. It didn't tell us, it didn't spend any time telling us how tall Samson was or how uh, muscular he appeared. It means that I want to believe that Samson was just a normal person his height and everything was normal but what made the difference in Samson's life is when the presence of God came upon Samson he was able to defeat the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel because of the presence of God that was upon him because his life was supposed to be wholly dedicated to God because his life was dedicated to God it was given to God even though he had an ordinary appearance because that ordinary appearance was dedicated and given to God God was able to use 
use that for his glory. At a point, the Bible tells us that the only weapon Samson could find was the jawbone of a donkey. And he, he was able to pick up the jawbone of a donkey and defeat 5,000 trained soldiers because God was in it, because the presence of God was upon him. A little weapon like the jawbone of a donkey, God was able to use that weapon to defeat 5,000 trained soldiers because it was handed over to God. And so God is able to transform the little things. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that the Bible says, Now when they, had, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus Christ. Peter and John were uneducated. They were ordinary fishermen who, who, who had no education in the law of Israel. They were not Pharisees. They were not teachers of the law. They were not Sadducees. They were just ordinary fishermen. And Jesus Christ called all these ordinary fishermen and said, and said to them, Come and stay with me that I will send you out to preach. When Jesus Christ left the scene and he went back to heaven, the Bible tells us that Peter was preaching with boldness and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people who knew the scribes and the priests saw this man. They know that they were not in their school. They are not their classmates. And they saw that, no, they were not their students. They, they knew this man that they are uneducated in the law. They marveled at the things that these men were teaching and the miracles that were happening through these men. The Bible says that, and they, they, then they realized that they had been with Jesus Christ. The time they spent with Jesus Christ was when their lives were transformed because they were in the presence of Jesus Christ. These ordinary fishermen became apostles and they were teaching the Bible to Pharisees and to people who had studied the Bible, who knew the law of Moses and had been declared as people who are certified to teach. Peter and John were not certified as people who were going to teach. They, are the, they were the little things in the eyes of people. But because they spent time with Jesus Christ, Jesus transformed their lives and he used them in that dispensation to show his glory. And so when we present the little things to God, the little things that are despised by people, things that people don't don't acknowledge and people don't appreciate and people don't celebrate and things that people even don't want to um, identify with, when we present those things to God, he's able to use them. He's able to transform them in the name of Jesus. So whatever we have that appears as as we feel that we are inadequate in that area, what we have to do is to present it to Jesus Christ. As we spend time in his presence, our lives are going to be transformed like Peter and John who spend time with him. Because they spend time with him and his presence will rub upon them, their lives were transformed. They were bold to go out there and to preach the gospel. And so as we spend time with Jesus Christ, as we spend time listening to him, as we spend time sharing the word of God, as we spend time studying and praying, his presence rubs upon us so that when we stand out there, we are able to marvel our world because the Lord has touched us. Amen. I pray that today as we listen to his voice, he will touch us so that our lives will be transformed. The next reason why God uses the little things is because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. 
The strength of God is made perfect in our weakness. Sometimes we feel that we are weak and there's not much that we can do. But that is when the strength of God, in the, the fertile ground for the strength of God to, to flourish is in weakness. When you identify that I am weak in this area, you present that weakness to God. That is where his strength will flourish. That is what the particular thing he was going to use to glorify himself. When we read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, Now concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, he, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is Paul talking. The Bible says here that he had a torn in his flesh and he pleaded with God three times that he might take it away. But what God told him was that my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In Paul's weakness, the strength of Christ became obvious to others. When the people saw that Peter, John, um, Peter and John and the other apostles were unlearned, they were able to acknowledge that then it has to be God working in them. Because we know this man in their own strength will not be able to do this. And so when you realize, when people see that you are doing something where on an ordinary day they know you have no strength to do it, then they know that it has to be God. So when the people saw something, that something didn't appear so extraordinary in his physical appearance, and they saw the type of strength that he had, they knew that that strength had to come from God. And so when people see you work wonderful, wonderful, or do great things in an area where they don't expect you to prosper, and they don't expect you to flourish, they are able to acknowledge and give praise to God and know that, this has to be the hand of God. That is one of the reasons why God uses little things. So that when people see the things, the mighty things that are able to be accomplished by this little thing, they give glory to God. And that is why I believe that as a church, God is going to use us in this city. If we start the right way, like we have started, not breaking away from any other church, but trust God to bring people so that this kingdom will grow, I know for a fact that God will be glorified in us. When you look at the, matchup, the, the, the battle between David and Goliath, if Goliath had defeated David, that wouldn't have been news. People wouldn't even have attributed, if attributed it to God, that it was God who helped Goliath to defeat David. But when David defeat, defeated Goliath, they knew that it had to be God. That is how God works. So that people will know that it had to be the hand of God. Because David, Goliath just looked at David and said, What am I? Am I a dog that you come against me with a sling? And he told the people of Israel, How dare you come, come, against, come to fight with me, a seasoned warrior, and you bring this small boy before me. I'm just going to kill this boy and I'll distribute his meat to the birds. And David said, You come against me with bows and with all these things, with an arrow. But I come against you in the name of the Lord. And David just used that sling. 
that tiny sling that is dis- was despised by Goliath. And he picked up tiny stone, a little stone. And the Bible says with that stone, he was able to defeat Goliath. God uses the little things. A little sling and a little stone is what God needs. Our little hands, that is all God needs. Our little feet and our small voice, that is all God needs to bring transformation to the world. If we will not keep our mouths shut, but we'll use our voice to pray, we'll use our voice to tell the gospel to other people and tell them about Jesus Christ. This is the little voice that he's going to use to transform the world. If we will not keep our hands to ourselves, but we'll pray for the sick, our little hands, with our little faith, we just pray for the sick and trust God to work wonders. With those little hands, with those little faith, He's going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead. He's going to open the eyes of the blind just with their little hands and their little faith and a little prayer. God is able to bring out the change. Amen. God uses the little things. So whatever thing you have that appears little in your eyes, it might be your faith. It might be that you think that, oh, I don't know so much in the Bible. Just with the little verse that you have, with the little knowledge that you have in Scripture, go ahead and begin to work. With the presence of God, God is going to use it to accomplish great things. When Gideon and his men went to battle, the Bible said, God told them that, no, you have too many men. Just let some of them go home. And many of them who were allowed, they left and they went home. And they were left with 300 men. The Bible says Gideon and the 300 men were able to defeat the army. Because God was with them. And God did that so that the glory will come to his name. So that no man, the people, if if they had gone there with a large army of, let's say, 5,000 or 500,000 people, and they defeated their enemies, they would have relied on the strength of their army. They would have relied on the fact that they had better ammunitions than their, their enemy. But when they went there with 300 men, and just very few 300 men, and, and God used them, little men, to defeat the, people, the enemies of Israel. They knew that it was the hand of God. Their leader, Gideon himself, was so scared and was so afraid. He was so insecure and, and acknowledged the weakness that he had in himself. But in the, his weakness, God's strength was perfected. And God used those weakness when it was presented to him to glorify himself. God uses the little things. The, ne- the next reason why God uses the little things is that he uses the little things to judge the proud. When people are proud and they feel that if God wants to use anyone in this generation, I am the most qualified person for God to use. If God wants to show forth his glory, then they will take the boast and say, I am like Absalom. Absalom felt that he was the most qualified person to be king. But God used the little things, the things that are despised. God chose Solomon. That Solomon, even though you were born out of wedlock and people who think that you are not a legitimate son and you cannot take the throne, you are the one I want to use for my glory. And so God uses the things that are despised so that he will show forth his glory to the world. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. The Bible says, And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh will glory in his presence. And so God chose to use the things that men despise, the things that men do not regard, as judgment for the things that are so much exalted and so much uh, praised by men. When, when Nathaniel was invited to come to Jesus Christ, Nathaniel asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth was a place that was despised. It was, it, it's, it's, it's a very small city. Even though Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was identified as a Nazareth because the, the, his father took him to live in the city of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because it is a place that is despised. But that is where God chose to raise his son, Jesus Christ. That is where God chose to reside and make that his city. God was not ashamed to be identified with that little city. Let's know and understand that God is not ashamed to be identified with us in our weakness. Sometimes you have an identity that people don't even want to associate with you. But God is never ashamed to associate himself with us because he knows that. You see, when, when you are dealing with somebody who has all power, all authority, what can you do to impress him? He created all things. All things belong to him. What strength do you possess that you can use to impress God? There's nothing you can use to impress God unless you just acknowledge him as your Lord. And take whatever he gives you and give glory to him. And so God you, um, uses the things that are, despi are despised by man so that he will glorify himself. So that he will use that as judgment for the things that are mighty and for the things that are great. The next reason why God uses the little things is that God uses the little things so that we can depend on God. Human pride cannot accept the fact that we have to depend on God for everything. But whether we like it or not, we are all dependent on God. Whether you acknowledge it or not, we all depend on Him. Because this whole world belongs to Him. So you cannot be independent from God. The, ground, the floor, the ground, the earth that we walk on belongs to him. He allows it to rain. He allows the weather to change. We enjoy the weather. Everything that we have here on earth belongs to God. Even our very heart beat, he ensures that our heart continues to beat. And so whether you acknowledge it or not, you are still depending on God. And that is why... It doesn't make sense for people to reject God and tell you that I don't want God. I don't want to do anything with God. He's still the one who is sustaining you, even though you don't acknowledge it. I mean, when you think about this, you are able to appreciate the love of God. That he doesn't allow it to rain just on the good people. But he allows it to rain both on the good people and on the wicked people. And that is who he is as God. And so God works with the little things or God uses the little things so that we can depend on him. And the best place that we can be in our lives or here on earth is when we depend on God. 
When you are depending on God as your source, God, you are my everything. When you say, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord, it means he's your everything and all you have belongs to him. It is the best place that you can be. When you know that you are depending on God for everything and for for every decision, whatever God says in your life is final. When you depend on him, it is the best place that you can ever be. Number six, the reason why God uses the little things is that God's ways, his plans are not our plans. The Bible tells us that his thoughts, the way um, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For us, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so God's plan does not conform to the world's priorities. Whatever the priorities of the world is, his plan does not conform to the priorities of the world. His ways are beyond our understanding. And so when you want to understand why will God choose this one and not that one, you cannot understand because his ways are not our ways. Why will God decide to use David and not decide to use his, his brothers who, when Solomon saw them, he, I'm sorry, when Samuel saw them, he said, this is definitely the next king of Israel. But the Bible says God had rejected Eliab. God had rejected all the other brothers. And he chose David, the one who was left in the bush. God chose him. When you want to explain to men, why will God choose the younger one and leave the older one? You cannot explain it. Because God's ways are not our ways. His priorities are not like our priorities. We cannot comprehend and understand God. And so when people try to explain God and explain everything that, was, that happened during creation, there's no way man can simply explain that unless God reveals it by himself. Because those who are trying to explain what happened several years ago when they were not on earth, how would they explain that accurately? It is impossible to explain that accurately because you were not there. It had to take the one who was there to explain it to us. And that is why God has explained it in the Bible that this is how the creation happened. This is how the world was created. Unfortunately, a lot of people will reject God's explanation and go by another man who was not present. They want to believe that man's explanation instead of what God is telling us happened. And so God's ways is not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And that is why he will choose to use the little things. He will not have to explain to you. He does not have to explain that to anyone. He is sovereign. As a sovereign God, he's able to make decisions like that, that we cannot question him. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The last thing we want to talk about today, why does God uses, use the little things, is that it is a kingdom principle. The Bible says that in Mark chapter 4, verse 30, 32, the Bible says, And he said to them, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? And so he was going to use this parable to explain what the kingdom of God looks like what the principle is, what the law is, what the rule is in the kingdom of God. He says, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? So he was going to make 
he was going to create a similarity between the parable that he's going to tell them or he's going to share with the kingdom of God, with what happens in the kingdom of God. And he says, it is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the, on the ground, it's smaller than the seeds of the earth. So he's saying that, yes, the kingdom of God can be compared to a little seed. When you put that seed to the ground, the Bible says, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots up large branches so that the birds of the earth may nest under its shade. So he's telling us a spiritual principle here. That is what happens in the kingdom. In the kingdom, everything starts very small. Everything starts very little. But everything has the potential to grow. In our Christian work, in our Christian life, we all started one day at a time, taking one step at a time and following God and obeying Him till we all mature and become like Jesus Christ. So one day we meet Jesus Christ and our lives are transformed. And that is the principle of the kingdom. It starts very little. It starts as something that is despised, something that men don't associate with. When Jesus Christ started preaching in Jerusalem, when he started preaching the gospel, some people even said he was mad. Some people even said he had, a, he had an evil spirit in him. But that was the kingdom of God. And he told them, so he told them that if you men knew the day of your visitation, and if you knew the day that your salvation was, was coming to you, 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 would have, you wouldn't have rejected the Son of Man. And so Jesus Christ himself being God, he came to this world as something very little, as a baby. And he was not offended as a baby to be carried by a woman, to be carried by something that he had created. Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus knew that he had created all things as the word of God. But yet he allowed himself to come to this earth as a baby. He allowed himself to be despised and rejected. He allowed men to say all sorts of things about him. He allowed men to take their decision on whether to accept or to reject him. And he said, the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed that even though it is put to the ground, it appears as if it is hidden. It appears as if it is buried. It appears, it appears as if life is not, there is nothing that is going to happen again because the seed has been buried. It has been covered and nobody sees it at this moment. But in that dark moment, God worked in a way that we cannot understand. In that, in that dark moment, nobody knows what goes on in the ground. But when the water drops on the seed, and the sun shines on the seed. Now that little seed that was put on the ground comes up and becomes a great mighty tree. And people or all the birds of the air come to rest on that little seed. If it, were, if it remained a seed, the birds wouldn't have been there to rest on it. But the seed grew up and became a large tree. And so whatever we start in the kingdom, no matter how little we start it, Let's see this principle working, that it is a little seed that we have planted to the ground, and it's going to grow. It has the potential to become big. God, when it is buried, when that seed is buried, and nobody sees it anymore, when that little thing that we are doing, it, it goes through a time of obscurity, 
and nobody sees it. Nobody acknowledges it. People can just walk by the seed and not know that the seed is there. That is the time of obscurity. That is the time God uses to prepare the mighty thing that he's doing. And so as we have started as a church and we have started very little, we are going through a time of obscurity, but we trust God that just like he works in the kingdom, just like he has said concerning the kingdom, the kingdom of God, if that is the principle of the kingdom, I believe that as a church, we will not be exempted. That principle applies to us and God is going to work through us. In that period of obscurity, God is going to work in us and make us a mighty three so that all the people in this city, all the people in this state will come and enjoy the blessing that God is going to place in this church. And so God uses the little things. When you, you are in a place where you feel you are inadequate, you are weak, you, you cannot do it by yourself, just hand it over to God. And trust that as little as you are, as little and despised as that thing, that particular weakness looks in your eyes, God is able to touch it, transform it, and use it for his glory. God uses the little things, and so he's going to use you and I. When we acknowledge our weakness and we come before him, when we present it to Jesus Christ, he, when he touches us, he's going to transform it. He's going to transform us and use us to bless the world. Amen. 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 Shall we pray? Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we give you glory. We bless you, O God. We thank you that you use little things. And so you are going to use us. We thank you for this church that, in, that is in this city. We believe that you are going to use us to touch this, this city in the name of Jesus. We give you glory, Lord. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.